um, as I have on the screen, I mean, you, you've shot a, you had your USPSA championship, but you also won the world revolver championship and the Ruger championship. And they were all like in what a six week time span. They were, they were, um, well, let me, let me get this right. So, um, they were the, the WRC, the world revolver championship. No. Okay. So this year, the WRC was in Morro Bay in the summer. It was in June or July. And that was a pretty well standalone match. Um, but there was the IRC this year. Uh, was in Colorado, mm. and then there was a WRC points match. So they've got a little point series going on where you got to shoot a couple of qualifying points matches, and then the the championship match, uh, hopefully in Morro Bay again next summer. Um, you know, it's two trophies, right? A points season and an individual season. Think, uh, well, think Formula One. Jay brought it up. I watched some Formula yeah. One. Um, same thing. So you've got individual, you know, individual and um, a season long event. Um, and uh, so let's see, I, I shot the IRC on a Thursday this year in Colorado and then I zipped over to Nevada and uh, shot a WRC points match, which uh, turned out to be quite, a, quite an event. The rain was coming down in the desert and rain in the desert is not, is not a gentle rain. <laughs> oh, it's a flat flood event. Yeah. I was supposed to stay there. My dad grew up in Reno. My grandparents were there. So I mailed uh, 10,000 rounds down and I was supposed to stay there. But my parents came, my grandparents came down with COVID. So um, I caught a flight home and I came home and trained here for a few days before flying out to nationals. Um, what did we shoot? We shot Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I think I flew on Wednesday. So I flew home on Monday, out on Wednesday and trained, you know, Monday all day Tuesday and a little bit on Wednesday morning. Wow. Yeah. Now, when so when you shoot something like that where you have a championship but you also have a points race, is there anything is there any monetary um value to that? Are you winning any cash? Uh yeah, there's, you know, it's it's like USPSA, there's cash and prizes, guns. Um okay. yeah, but uh Make no mistake, you make more money going to work than you do on a, <laughs> than you do winning a shooting match in 2023. Oh, okay. Now, but I got to ask you, Prairie Fire rank last year. Oh yeah. Uh, if they do that again, is that something you might consider? I don't know. I don't know anything about it, but I saw fat checks. Yeah. They, uh, this, yeah. This could be the next Amway, and I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> my wife would love that my wife's listening to a book on tape about uh multi-level marketing schemes right now i'm in put me in coach give me one of the fat checks <laughs> i believe um oh shoot uh tim yackley i think yeah. he won 50k yeah yackley won some money nils won yeah. some money yep uh nils and, and jessica Joe bought a house so that might have been their house down payment for all i know they they won twenty and I think Joe Farewell won like yeah ten ten no one like no one knew what it was it was it was is it a big deal is it real is it fake and then you see the big checks going around and uh, you know those guys are no joke Tim's Tim's not as well known in the pistol group but um, right if you go look up Tim's pistol history I'm I'm pretty sure he's 
he's had some uh, serious competitions, if not some wins. And we all know what Nils can do with a handgun. So, yeah, and it's kind of like Max Leo Grandis this year at Limited Optics. Yeah. You know, yeah, everybody knows him. They, you know, don't put a PCC in his hand because you're not going to win. Yeah. And then he goes and wins a pistol, and you're like, what? What just happened? How do you beat yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the fundamentals are the same, um, especially Max is extremely proficient with that rifle with a dot on it. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, I think he got thrown out of a match once for his finger being too fast, if I'm not mistaken. I um, believe he, I think you might be right. <laughs> I, that's a wild story right there. <laughs> yeah. That's not, that's, that's not a revolver problem right there. Um, <laughs> we don't, we don't go too fast and we don't have to pick up our brass. It all comes back to us. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, funny. you can't discount that, you know, and I think the last podcast, I think you said, what, what would happen? Did you ask me what would happen if Christian came and shot revolver? I think you might ask me that when we uh, recorded before, but didn't record. <laughs> right. The, the you, whatever you, yeah. Yeah. You can't discount a, a talented shooter. I mean, you know, revolver is right. a unique thing where you're probably going to have to spend a little bit more time with it. But I mean, Max lives on a range, right? Yeah. I mean, Max sure could have put a hundred thousand rounds through that limited optics gun and Casey never would have known what hit him. If, if that, uh, if that's what happened, right? No one, you know, Max does a lot of classes and, you know, he, sh he should not be discounted um, for anything. Someone who spends that much time um, on a range, putting rounds down range, teaching classes and has access to all the guns, you, you can't discount them, right? Yeah. I mean, and I'll bring up Garen Singleton again. I mean, mm -hmm. that guy only had a few weeks to work with his revolver. But I mean, he's a high level carry optics shooter and he was seventh. Yeah. Yeah. Did he break 95% at carry optics this year? Um, I don't know that he did that. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a big number. I mean, I think he was, he was up there. He was, um, yeah. let me, let me check real quick. I, I, if he didn't, he's close, right? Y yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's uh, you. You can't discount those people with, you know, with a revolver. It's unique, right? You gotta. It the, is. The round count's unique. The trigger's unique. The way the gun acts during the trigger pull is unique. Uh, the reload is in a whole other world. Um, but other than that, I mean, Rob Rob Latham won two revolver nationals. Crazy. Um, yeah. So it Garen, is, it is. Yeah, Garen was ninety, basically ninety four percent. It was ninety three eight four, but so ninety four yeah. percent at carry optics. Yeah, and 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 while that's a that's a big gap by the end of the match, you know that that wasn't won or lost on the last stage at a gap like that. He he wasn't right. half the match off, right? Right. No. Right. And, and that's and that's, that's a with Christian race. winning. Yeah. Oh, and that's with Christian winning. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. No, that's. Yeah, that's 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 a really good. Uh, I don't know what number he finished at Revolver Nationals, what percentage, but um, that's probably a good example of the difference in um, gap of gun, right? Yes. Yeah, he was yeah, eighty percent of you. What was it? Eighty eight. Eighty one. It was like eighty one point eighty point six two. Yeah, so that's a big gap. I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect someone that to took ninety four percent of Christian to you know if he picked up an open gun, I wouldn't expect him to go eighty one percent of Christian or eighty percent. You just said, 
Right. Yeah, I'd expect him to be closer, um, depending on if the carry optics gun or the open gun was more of a strength or how much time he spent with it. But it, revolver's a unique thing. Uh, it for, is. For better or for worse. <laughs> but, I mean, he, you know, I mean – Caleb Higby was right behind him, as was David Olhasso, and those are mm -hmm. those aren't scrubs. Yeah, yeah. Caleb, in Caleb's defense, Caleb didn't touch his gun since last year nationals. Oh goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Caleb, Caleb, uh, Caleb's really talented. You know, um, there's there's a handful of really talented revolver shooters right now. Uh, you're probably looking at the list of them right now, but there's. The, the top yeah. 10 is still pretty, pretty competitive. Now I, I do have a question. We're going back to if optics were allowed in revolver, would you put one on your gun? Uh, if optics were allowed in revolver, I wouldn't have a choice, but to put one on my gun to be competitive. Absolutely. Okay. Um, do I, if, if someone asked me for my vote, I would vote no twice. Oh, I'd use okay. I'd use that Dominion system and vote like eight times no. <laughs> um, I don't, you know, Robin. Rob and I talked about this sitting at uh, Nationals Awards. He he just kind of mentioned it right before the chaos got crazy with the price table. Um, no, I think it's part of. Uh, I think iron sights are part of the the allure of the division, right? Um, you're, you, no matter what you do with revolver, you're not drawing more people in. It's it's the same with limited optics. We didn't draw anyone in by allowing limited optics to be a division. Right. We just stole people from other divisions. I mean, um, and and the new division is always the exciting one. Um, no one's no no nothing you do to revolver other than belt feed it is going to make people want to come shoot it. <laughs> Belt feed. Hey, I'm in if we're doing belt fed revolvers. Yeah. See, that's my point. Holy like, cow. No one, you're, you're, no one's, it's not the new thing. Like when we switched from six to eight, we had a huge turnout at nationals, 118 shooters or something, 120 shooters. Is it because they, we allowed a shot in or is it because it was a standalone nationals on the back of three standalone single stack national days and everyone who already thought low cap was already there and it was a separate day. You know what I mean? It's it was yep. it it wasn't about the the new gun, the new exciting thing. It was about oh, this timing actually works out. These people already, you know, single stack people and revolver people. They're most of them cross over. Okay. Um, I'm I'm not a fan of it. I'm also not a fan of limited optics. I don't I don't see the uh, logical speed between a Glock with a good trigger and a 2011 with a good trigger, and I'm pretty sure. BJ proved that a few years back going low 75s at the steel challenge with a Glock 17 and a production holster. I mean, I think BJ proved that that number right there proves uh, race holster versus Kydex holster. There's nothing there um, other than, you know, the finite detail of you know, if, if you're right at the limit of someone like Isaac, Isaac draws the gun at a crazy speed with his scoop, especially. Yeah, he does. You give him a race holster, it's not going to get faster. Maybe, maybe what, hundreds? True. Where does hundreds matter in a match? It doesn't. Race holsters absolutely make sense. You know, I don't want to put my revolver in a Kydex holster. The thing's a foot long. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> and but BJ, draw in history. Yeah. But BJ proved right there that the draw speed doesn't matter. And then, you know, BJ doesn't go out and crazy modify his guns. I think he's uh, shooting for Wilson now, but he's also shooting for Border Patrol. Border Patrol? I think he's yeah. Border Patrol. Yeah, Border Patrol. And the yeah. gun is painfully stock. I mean, it's in he, and he shot it to a number that's within a quarter or a half second of where the two fastest open guns have ever been. Wow. So I think... I think the the misnomer of uh, you know, and look what Jerry just did. I don't see people lining up around the block to go break a two hundred one with a with a carry optics gun or an open gun. Right. There's a half dozen people on Earth that have the the ability to go faster than that with a single action gun, let alone the ability to do it within three swings. Right. Yeah. I, I just. I think the carry optics and limited optics should be one division, but it's, you know, everyone has their opinion. Right. So what do you, what do you think will happen? You think there'll be two separate divisions? I do. Yeah. I think there'll be separate divisions and we're seeing the same thing in IPSC. We're seeing, I don't really know the rules, but we're seeing production optics, light production optics, heavy. I don't know if those are still split divisions, but uh, no, they're getting rid of one of them. I forget good. which now. Good, yeah. good, good. They I, are getting rid I, of them. Yeah. And maybe there are other cases that I don't see for limited optics versus carry optics being separate divisions, but I, I don't, I don't like seeing this many divisions in USPSA. And that's probably ironic coming from a revolver shooter to most people. Right. But, um, you know, we have a lot of divisions that could be, that are equal. Um, limited, limited 10 is a limited gun or a single stack gun. Uh, carry optics and limited optics they're the same guns yeah uh, just one one out of the box has a better trigger but i'm pretty sure like a i mean can't you get a gray gun sig 320 to single action you know numbers now distance of travel and weight probably yeah there's just some amazing triggers out there that fit into production or carry optics that uh there's no disadvantage that you know that they have coming from a 2011 well i mean look nils won limited last year with the his canic so and that was a polymer gun perfect if so, nils wins i think here's what we should do if nils wins limited optics with a plastic gun we should make limited optics and carry optics the same division ever if he ever does it in his life then we're done that proves it right there there you go well, now he has, Nils, and now he has a steel gun. So there's a good chance. Oh, Nils is Nils is uh, he's amazing. I know Christian's on a good run right now, but uh, Nils, what Nils does some days, you know, win, winning limited nationals with a minor gun is crazy. It is. I, I do. I kind of feel like, and I, I'm going to get your thoughts on this. Then I feel like there are generational shooters. Like you had Rob. Yeah. Then I feel like you had Nils. And when I mean generational, I mean like they can shoot anything and and win. Yeah. And you had Nils. I kind of find, I feel like Christian is going to be filling that role for this next generation with what he did at Carry Optics, what he did what he does every year with Open. I feel like he's going to be that next generational shooter. What are your yeah. thoughts on that? Um, 
I don't know. I haven't really thought of people as generational, especially, you know, people like Nils who are my age and Christian, who's a decade younger, uh, you know, comparing them to Rob. I asked Rob the other day when I was with him, I said, when did you shoot your first nationals? And I think he said 80. And I, and I said, when did you win it? And he goes, 82. And then you like, think about 1982 today. It's 41 years ago. That's mm -hmm. a, that's, that's, that does Rob a disservice, you know, calling him a generational shooter. Um, not anything against you, but like, that's a, that's a lifetime achievement award. Who's still out doing it. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's just amazing. And, um, and I would love to see Nils, you know, fill that role and Christian, you know, follow a decade behind him. Um, and other people too, like Jerry, I mean, you know, I don't, there Jerry's been competing at a high level, uh, for just as long as Rob has. And it's amazing that they're still not only, um, competitive at it, but interested in it. I find that interesting. Well, and you can put Todd Jarrett in that conversation too. Yeah, absolutely. Todd. Yeah. And there's yeah. a few others. Um, yeah, but I, I like to ask people, um, you know, if you ask, if you just go ask someone, who do you think in your mind, you know, to you, who's the greatest open shooter? Uh, I think they're going to answer that with when they got in the sport. So like when I got in, Max was, he was, he was winning. He won the world shoot that year, uh, 14, I think in Florida. And, um, you know, to me, Max is just, and Casey right behind him, right. Always, always right there. And they traded paint a few times between USPSA and the seal challenge. Um, and to me, those guys are always going to be unstoppable. But, you know, if you ask someone who's gotten in the last few years, they're going to say, oh, Christian, Max who? Who's Max? Right. Um, even though Max is still <laughs> extremely, you know, the, no one is not relevant. Um, right. Agree. But uh, I think I think um, Rob and Eric are on a totally different level. And, um, you know, those those lifetime achievement awards, Rob and Robin, Eric, and Jerry, you know, that, that's a lifetime of shooting. Um, and Nils is certainly in the, he, you know, he's on the right trail to um, be, in that, be in that same list. And there are others, again, like you said, there are others, but. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, some pretty amazing shooters have been out there doing it for a long, long time. It is, it is amazing how long they have and how many of them are still uh, really strong. Okay. I am going to share the screen of a video. And I would like for you to tell me what in the world you are shooting here. And I mean, gun and optic wise. All right. So we're in, uh, we're in Morro Bay. One of the, one of the greatest ranges to shoot at, not only because it's a good range, but, um, it's a good, great place to visit middle of California. It's fantastic. So okay. we're looking at um, we're looking at my iCore open gun. That's a Smith 929, uh, nine millimeter, eight rounds. Um, the um, the grips there are uh, are a hoe grip, and they they thin it out in the middle. Put a little bit of um, put a little. There's a I think there's a set of iCore targets on the side of that one. So just something so my hands get a little bit of a grip. I like a smooth grip. Um, I grab the gun really, really hard, so I don't need a lot of texture. And then I also want the gun to come out of my hands really easy, too. Um, so I want it to be thin so Moon Clip doesn't hit it on the way by. 
and um, coming in out of my hands really well. The barrel is uh, so I make barrels for revolvers, um, nine okay. millimeter and twenty two. That barrel, I was down at my local rifle builder, Benchmark Barrels, um, and they had a barrel that was diamond fluted, and it looks like they took a lathe and a mill and and just kind of rotated it through there as they made a flute, and then they, you know, told it to rotate the other way, and so it, you know, it spits out um, flutes that look like they're in the shape of diamonds. And they'd done a barrel and they had done a bolt on a bolt action gun. And I was like, oh, that's that's pretty cool. What do you think about doing that with a revolver barrel? And he goes, I don't know. Give it to me and I'll see if I screw it up. <laughs> okay. Um, what is that? And optic? then that optic, that's actually a Seymour slide ride. Old school, right? Um, and it's laying on its side and it's on the right side of the gun. Um, okay. Okay. So I think years ago that was really popular with open shooters, but they would put on on the left side of the gun. Um, I experimented with the dot on both sides, but I found because I'm right-handed and right-eye dominant, I don't hmm. see the body of the Seymour when it's off to the right of my right eye. Interesting. It's just gone. So all I see is um, the frame of the screen and the dot inside it and with my right eye and then my left eye gets to see the rest of, you know, the stage or the rest of its view. Um, and so to me, I, I don't even see that thing sitting on the side and I've experimented with um, dots the other way. And I had a terrible time with it because uh, it was right in the middle of my vision. And it also, the way I grabbed the gun on a reload, it got in the way of the reload um, off to the right. That dot doesn't do that. And, um, <clears throat> and so I is the only place I shoot uh, dot on its side in the steel challenge i shoot a upright like a mini dot an rts2 or an sro or something okay um but we shoot a lot of strong hand weekend and um the the dot being on its side and out of the way visually the body of it out of the way it's it's extremely easy to line the gun up like you would with iron sights because you can see everything and then the dot just appears. And uh, and I, I test this a lot by people going, what is that? And I hand it to them. I go, no, don't even pull it up for a sight picture. Just put it straight into weekend only. And the dot just instantly appears for them because they're used to lining the gun up, uh, you know, more on the barrel like you would iron sights. Interesting. Um, so if I knew I was only going to shoot freestyle, uh, then I would probably run a mini dot on the on that gun. But uh, but because we shoot so much stronghand weekend, it's a huge advantage to have that on its side and out of my peripheral vision. Okay. Do you prefer hammerless revolvers? So that uh, what you're seeing there is a gun built by TK Custom, and that gun has their uh, speed hammer in it, and that was before they made their own trigger, so that has an old forged uh, serrated trigger in it. And uh, what do you do when you when you remove the spur? Not only do you lighten it up so that it can the trigger can be the weight can be lowered overall, but you um, you gain that space back. So I grip the gun extremely high uh, on the on the frame and on the grip. And uh, if I have a spur on the gun, I can't shoot it. The gun the spur comes back and just hits the webbing of my hand and stops. Hmm. So if I shoot a gun with a spur, 
um, I would have to grip the gun differently. Um, or it's kind of funny. I, the gun just stops sometimes if I'm shooting. If I get a new gun out of the box and kind of go mess with it, or I'm messing with someone else's gun that still has a spur on it, um, it just doesn't work for me. But everything I shoot now has uh, TK hammers dropped into them. Right here, let me hit play. You can walk us through what, what we see here. You can kind of see there the way I'm gripping the gun. I'm significantly higher on it than most people would probably be. Yeah, you are. Yeah. You're all the way up at the frame. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm all the way up top. That moon didn't want to go in there. No. What is your average reload time? I was talking to somebody. It might have been. It was either Garen or, or Jay. I don't remember who. So I, I, I hope I'm, I don't get it wrong. But uh, they were saying they're, you know, looking at about a second and a half reload. What would you put your reload at time-wise? Um, so you really, you know, you go get that data in practice. Um, right. It's really difficult to go get that data from, from actual matches, um, especially matches that mean something. I don't shoot a whole lot of club matches, so I don't really gather a lot of data from that. But, uh, you know, in a, in a practice, if I'm standing there sending it at a seven-yard target and I'm and, and my drill is, okay, how low can we push a reload? I've pushed reloads, um, you know, really, really low. If I'm going to practice, I'm looking to, you know, if I set six moons aside, okay, well, all we're going to do here is focus on splits and reloads, right? Shoot four, reload, shoot six, reload, something like that. Um, I'm looking for something in the high one twos. Um, and, that's, and that's with alphas on both sides of that. Um, that, you know, that doesn't translate to a high one, two in a match that translates to, you know, a one, four, one, five in a match in, in real life, in the times I've gone back and looked at um, those reloads from match numbers. But I remember a few years ago, we we're in Florida uh, at a match that Shannon had put on and there was a stage, it might've just been a short course and I think you shot paper and reloaded and shot two minis and they were at 12 or 13 yards. Um, so it was a real aimer, right? It wasn't a, you know, get lucky. And I asked to see the timer and I went and looked at it. It was a 170 flat. And I, at the time I said, that's the fastest reload I've ever done. But, but uh, you know, hitting an A zone, wide open, comfortable, relaxed paper in practice in a one three and hitting a mini that matters at, you know, whatever it was, 12 or 14 yards and hitting two of them uh, in a match that matters, that those are the same numbers to me, a one, three point blank in practice and a one, seven mini in a match. That's the, the exact same number because that's probably how long it takes to, you know, completely bring the gun up, make sure your grip is perfect, give it a proper squeeze all the way and then do it again, uh, you know, with like a 22, 25 split to the other popper. Um, Jerry used to say, if every reload in the match is under two, he's going to win the match. No one can touch him. Uh, that's a little bit out of the wayside now because a lot of the reloads, the raw reload speed is uh, with the eight shot gun is covered by the movement. It's not, you know, we used to do a lot of standing uh, loads with okay. a six shot gun because, you know, most USPSA is based around eight shot a race. Right. And so you're looking at a revolver match here. What we saw, we saw six rounds in the first three positions. And then here in this fourth position, we've got 10 rounds. So that doesn't matter if you're shooting an eight shot gun, 
or six shotgun, uh, you're, you're doing a standing load either way. And, and it was engineered yep. that way, obviously. So it was even for everyone. So that's, that's really the difference in USPSA versus a revolver, um, a revolver match like i WRC match where it's just thought about differently. And now I don't remember, I, I had the question already in my list from the last time, but have you shot any Bianchi cup? Bianchi? I, I haven't. No, I have not. I, I always kind of wanted to try it. Um, just add more out of enjoyment. I would, I would love to um, be able to do it here in practice, just kind of closed, you know, kind of a closed thing just with me. Um, but my okay. club doesn't, we've got plates. Um, you know, I don't need a, um, I don't need turners. I can figure that out with a timer. Uh, but the mover is the real hard thing, right? That's really the, yeah. and that's also the part that makes or breaks the whole match from what I've read. Um, and we just don't have a mover and I'm not, I'm, I'm more likely to go, you know, grab a production gun or carry optics or a limited gun and go shoot some practice and club match than I am build a mover that moves at the exact speed of a match I'll probably <laughs> never do well at. Yeah. But I feel like it has some of those same qualities, like your air rifle competition, your three position yeah. stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, it absolutely does. Yeah. And that's the part I find intriguing, which I'm like, that might be something to do just as an off thing for fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, there was a few years ago where I was interested in it and I talked to some friends who'd been there um, at the time recently and it, it was a long match. I think you shot one, um, one stage or one, um, trying to think of the word they call it, Bianchi, one um, section a day and it's a four it's a four day event then you've got the shoot offs on another day and you had to get there mm. early and you know it just it was a week no matter how you slice it it was a week from what i understood and i'm just not that interested in going somewhere for a week right and, and knowing i'm not going to do well in it and again I'm, <laughs> I, I might be speaking out of turn I, I never went to the match so yeah it looks intriguing but i, I i'm with you there at least yeah. when you go to the world shoot or nationals and you're shooting multiple days, you're when you're there, you're you're actively shooting every day and not sitting around waiting to shoot. Yeah, yeah. I would love to shoot it um, at, for fun. I'd love to shoot it, you know, at home with a, with like a club of other people who shoot it locally. But I, it's probably it's not on my short list. How's that? Now the going back real quick to the to the guns. What were the calibers again? You said you make the carbon fiber barrels for. Uh, so I make one of them at a, we use a three five five stainless blank one in ten twist, and I've successfully used that on both nine twenty nine, so nine millimeter, and um, six twenty seven, so thirty eight three fifty seven guns. Um, Smith and okay. Wesson doesn't when they build their nine millimeter guns and their three fifty seven thirty eight guns, they use pretty much all. Uh, 357 numbers and so I'm doing the same thing just using 355s and um, obviously almost all of your revolver shooters are reloading it's it's a very very small percentage of revolver shooters who aren't and even those people are it's only because they haven't been here long enough to load or you know the last few years components have been difficult um, so we can really size things the way we like it but uh and I've also, I just made my first run of um, 22s, 22 carbon barrels. 
for six seventeens. Um, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to those. I think the first customer one will be delivered actually to be delivered next weekend in uh, this weekend in IPSC nationals. Interesting. Now, how did you get into carbon fiber, making carbon fiber barrels? Um, I'm going to blame my father-in-law on this. <laughs> Man, this guy is, no, no. He, he's at the I'm root of everything. I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> the barrel maker that I, um, actually, how did I walk in there and do that? I, I, it started at the barrel shop. <laughs> Maybe I was in there having them do a rifle barrel for me. That must have been in. I was in there having them do a rifle barrel for me. And they were actually wrapping. They were taking a carbon fiber string and spinning a barrel in a lathe and wrapping it. And uh, there's a whole bunch more science that goes into it than that, obviously. But um, it, it kind of let them, you know, they weren't using a tube like everyone else was. And, uh, and he, I, I watched him finish wrapping one and he had a little bit left over and he just takes it off there and hucks it in the trash. And I go, What's wrong with that? He goes, that's not enough to do another barrel. I said, is that enough to do like a six inch barrel? He's like, yeah, there'd be like four, four and a half inches of carbon. No problem. And I was like, I am your guy. <laughs> so I just got some blanks and we turned them down till they didn't weigh anything. And I said, here, you know, use your scraps on this. And uh, he loved it. You know, 10, 15, 20 minutes of work. He's making a hundred bucks a pop. So he just kept turning them out. Every time I wanted more, he just turned out more. Um, and then uh, he no longer does that. And now we're kind of doing the more traditional method of uh, using a carbon tube. Uh, Colby Pavlock is um, doing the, the machining and installing the carbon um, and the cap. So if you've seen um, like any of Volkortsen stuff, it's a very, my new barrels are very, very similar to their carbon rifle barrels. Um, and they look fantastic. They really, uh, they really turn out nice. And what's the advantage? Weight. You know, on the uh, 929s, that barrel weighs 16 and a half ounces. Um, and there's a ton of people out there who don't want to shoot a gun that's that heavy, especially that nose heavy, right? That barrel is six and a half inches. In real life, it's 10, 11 inches away from your hand. It's really, really nose heavy. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Some people build guns that are even heavier barrels. Um, and that's their right. preference. I like to shoot a carbon fiber gun for steel challenge. Um, I don't, it doesn't, it's not more accurate to be honest. It's for me personally, I'm not faster with the carbon fiber gun. Um, but I take a lot of stress off my body. If I'm going to the steel, if I'm going to practice, I'll probably do a thousand draws in a practice. Um, and then when I do dry fire at home, I'm doing, you know, maybe two or three times that in a few hours getting ready for the steel challenge. And you can really beat up your shoulder and your forearm and your elbow, uh, you know, drawing a gun that weighs 50 ounces, uh, a factory 929. So the carbon barrels that we did, the original run of those, those barrels came out at five and a half ounces. So we were shaving right around 10 ounce, 10, 11 ounces off the gun and it's it's not just 10 11 ounces it's 10 11 ounces off the nose out in front of the hand so the gun really has a different feel um a lot of doesn't, people liked it what's that doesn't it react differently than two when you actually fire the like how does that work with recoil i feel like it's going to be more felt recoil more barrel movement 
on recoil when they're that light. Am I wrong? Yeah, it is. But like you just said, okay. you know, Nils won nationals with a plastic gun. Yeah, true. The sights, you know, the sights are going to go up and the sights are going to settle still faster than you can pull the trigger again. Okay. I saw, I saw a guy the other day on social media. He posted a video of himself at indoor range. And it was just a video of the gun in real speed and in slow-mo. And, and he says, I'm, you know, I'm getting ready to go to my first competition or something like that. What do I do to make the gun, you know, not rise as much or be flatter or something along those lines. And the people, you know, it's, it's the internet. So you never know who, you don't, you don't know the guy responding to you as a four time national champion or four time felon. Right. Right. Yes, exactly. I'm looking at it. I'm like, Oh, that looks, that looks pretty good right there. I mean, I haven't slow mode myself with an auto, but I mean, that seems pretty good. And, uh, and you know, the, the more senior members of the group, Her Tim Heron was one of them. And he's like, dude, it doesn't matter. It, you know, it, it, and he's right. As long as the sites settle back to where they came from, it doesn't matter. It's a, it's a consistent settling of the sites. The gun's getting its job done somewhere between 0.04 and 0.06. And then you're, you're at least another 10th behind it in a match before you fire another round. Um, so as long as it's consistent, it doesn't really matter. Some days I'll watch Rob shoot his, his single stack, his 40 cal, and uh, someone needs to send him to Chrono. I mean, the gun's sitting there flat. And other days I'm, I'm like, did what's wrong with Rob? Did he, did he have a surgery or something? I mean, the gun's just moving all over the place, but he's shooting at the same pace and it's coming back level in front of his face. So it doesn't, none of that stuff matters. Okay. Now, um, when, now, when you first shot a carbon fiber gun or barrel in your gun, did you have to change a grip or anything, or was it just exact same everything? And no, just, not for me. So I built the guns for me to use in Steel Challenge, um, and so I I still make power factor with my Steel Challenge load. It's a it's a uh, one fifteen doing right around eleven hundred somewhere in there. Um, cause I don't really like a light load, but the gun with that load and that gun, it moves very similarly to how my limited and my open gun, you know, full weight 929s move under recoil, lift and lift and settle to my, you know, 133 to 135 power factor USPSA loads. Um, uh, so that's I'm I was interested in the gun moving the same, but there are plenty of people who shoot these with, you know, 130 to 135 power factor ammo in both the revolver matches and um, USPSA and they just like it better. Smith sells a gun made, you know, made of an aluminum alloy that's even lighter than this gun and people use it for right. steel challenge and I core and USPSA and they love it. So it's really a preference thing. Um, and I've shot mine with I've shot mine in USPSA club matches. And it's totally fine. It's absolutely fine. Um, I think if Smith offered it from the factory, they'd sell a ton of them. I think actually Jerry, the gun that Jerry set a record with, I think they're going to offer that as an offering soon. And that's, again, that's going to be even lighter than the gun I'm selling. Some, some people prefer a light gun. I mean, if it was my only option, I'd keep shooting it. I think they're, they, they work just fine. Yeah, I definitely think a balanced gun is way more important than the weight of the gun. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Right now I'm working on uh, 
So 625s, it's a, it's what we used to shoot before the eight shots were allowed in USPSA. It's a six shot 45. That's what, you know, Ooh. back in the day, Jerry set that six reload six record with. Okay. Um, if you look at the holes in the cylinder, there's more air than there is metal. It's just, a, it, it looks like an open cup. They only built those in five inch and they stopped building those in five inch probably close to 20 years ago and they built them in four inch. It's kind of a little, it's a handful with a four inch gun. I shot an IDPA match on Saturday and I'd almost forgot how much of a handful, <laughs> you know, a uh, 170 power factor is in four inch. Um, right. Even though I'm gripping the gun hard, but I'm very, I'm building a pair of those right now that are six and a half inch full lug guns. So just tons and tons and tons of weight. And when I go to shoot, you know, a drill, uh, specifically something like, look a look a six twenty five. Um, when I go to shoot a drill, like something like a long transition, like a oh, you know, one hundred and twenty, one hundred and fifty degree transition, and I look at the time of that, and I compare it to either a nine twenty nine or even a carbon gun, the numbers are the same. It's just how it feels to you. Yes, you're moving more weight around, but it's not enough time to change how how the actual number on the clock. Now, I will say that uh, for a brief period of time in my life, I owned a three inch uh, model 2944 oh, yeah. Magnum. Yeah, yeah. You know how it Talk feels then. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I took that out. I, I shot it over a weekend and I went back to the guy and I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to keep it. <laughs> yeah. 44 is no joke. Oh, it was. Oh my gosh, man. The, the flame that came out of that thing was ridiculous. Yeah. And I fired six shots as fast as I could. And twice my support hand came off the grip. <laughs> yeah, no. 44 mags about my limit. I don't, I don't, I love the people who, you know, four sixties and five hundreds and what do you do with it? Exactly. What do you I do don't. with that? Yeah. Do you want to, so they always ask me at the shop one comes in on trade. Do you want to buy it? I go, why'd the guy sell it? He goes, he only shot like three rounds out of it. And it's been sitting in safe for 10 years ago. That's exactly what happened to me. Yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> it, it's, it's cool on the rental counter right yeah you go to the range and rent it yeah it's like wow take some video yeah. of this yeah smith sells back. them now you know they sell them people love them not oh, my yeah. thing but that's all right yeah i mean if i had disposable cash and, and you know it would be it would be a, a novelty item for me but sure yeah that would be about it yeah yeah no 44 is about where my interest ends and even that um that's gonna be for a hunting trip I don't, uh, I don't have much, you know, maybe the 460, I think, um, I heard, um, uh, Jesse and Casey have a podcast and I heard them with the Taurus CEO talking about a 460 and a Cape Buffalo down in uh, South Africa. Okay. That's, that's what a 460, I think it was a 460. That's what a 460 is for. That's what a 500 or whatever the other right. giant things are. For massive animals. That's what, yeah, that's. I'm, I don't have any of those on my street. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> those elk are not big a, enough. Yeah. Not a, not a Pacific Northwest delicacy. I could tell you that. <laughs> and you, a little overkill for the salmon. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, the carbon the carbon barrels are good. Takes a lot of weight off the nose. There's a fantastic aftermarket for the factory 929 barrels. People are just buying them like crazy and paying paying top dollar. So it's really, uh, you know, it's everyone's like everything else in the gun world that someone makes is a little sticker shock at first. And then I tell them, you know, your factory barrels worth 250 to $300. Oh, well that's, that makes a carbon barrel kind of cheap now. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, it's fun. Everyone wants something different than their next guy. So we've, uh, we've sold a lot of them and people are asking for more every day. Nice. Nice little niche to have there. It is. Yeah, it's fun. All right. So you are shooting Ipsic Nationals this Friday. Yep. Friday. All of it in one shot. Okay. With, I, and I mean, based on our conversation earlier, I'm assuming this is to shoot the 2025 world shoot in South Africa. Yeah. Yep. Okay. That's correct. Yep. All right. Now, do you like, I, I've only seen, um, Max shoot here state, um, in the States, but I saw a match where he shot, I want to say it was the Euro extreme or something. And he was third in PCC. And I was like, Oh my gosh. I'm like, who are these? Yeah. people? Do you follow any of the international revolver shooters? I do. Yeah. You know, a good, uh, a good competitor keeps an eye out on the market. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I do. I do keep an eye out. And, uh, there's a little bit of cheating out there in the world. You know, um, I just heard that Jay has a little, a little bit of ELO rating going on. He does. Uh -huh. So Ipsic has a little ELO action going on. It's ipsicrating.com, I think. Um, and you can't hide from it because uh, they put you on there whether you like it or not. Oh, but, I take um, you're on there. You know, yeah, you know, what's that? I said, I take it you're on there then. Well, that website only puts in IPSC matches. And since we here in the okay. U.S. don't shoot them, we're actually the ones hiding from the list. I like it. But, you know, the, in Revolver, it, again, it's a small crowd, and it's a small crowd at the top. Uh, so the guy that's on the top of that list, Gerald, um, him and I shot against each other in, in France in 17, and then he won the the uh, the last the, – the one that just happened um, okay. last year. Yeah, um, He won that, and, um, and uh, yeah, the usual suspects are on there. And, and like every list – uh, people have their good days and their bad days, and uh, you know people can excel, right? Especially here, you know, you don't. My competitors don't see me outside of the Steel Challenge, USPSA Nationals, um, and then our big our big revolver matches, WRC and um, IRC. Um, so you know, I could I could, and and a few years back, I did make some substantial gains um, off the books, right? Mm. Um, but I do, I keep an eye out uh, as best I can. And, um, you know, I'm not scared to text or call one of those guys. And, uh, huh? hey, how you been shooting? How you doing? You ready for this? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good, uh, you know, we got a good camaraderie. It's like a closed knit community. Uh, it is. It is. You know, it really is. And, and everyone's pretty tight. Even the guys that don't like each other have to like each other a little bit. You're social media presence is like almost non-existent is that intentional um 
yes and no. It's not unintentional. <laughs> sometimes I just sometimes I just forget to do it. Uh, okay. All right. So I it's not a, a priority then. No, it's not a priority. Okay. For me. I uh, I got a I got a GoPro full of um, IRC stages that I that's just sitting on my desk at work that I just keep forgetting to turn on and upload. Yeah, it's not a priority for me. Some people want to see more. You know, every once in a while, someone will call me and go, "You haven't you haven't put anything up in a few months," and I go, "All right, fine. I'll turn the camera on and put something up for you." Yeah, it's it's not a huge priority for me. I guess so it's not like you're intentionally it. trying to remain radio no. silent so people don't no. know what you're doing. Okay. No, 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 no. I could, I could, I could put a stage video up every day for the rest of my life. What's what's buried in my phone. Um, my social media, my Facebook, that's all I have. Um, that's a mix of shooting and personal too. Uh, I know a lot of people have just shooter pages and you know, you can just hammer it, but, um, you know, I look, I look at my friends' pages and I don't, um, I don't know. I want to see a mix. You know, I don't want to see just one thing of what they're up to on their personal pages. So I, I guess I kind of post what I would want to see if I wasn't me. Yeah. I kind of feel like Facebook is more on the personal side. Instagram is more of the professional. I mean, like I'm just going to yeah. post podcast stuff on there and my family stuff is on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. The the 20 minutes that I was into Facebook um, 15 years ago and moved on, I never, Instagram wasn't even around. Um, yeah. I do feel like they're fantastic tools, especially Facebook, um, for learning about matches. And there's tons of info out there. You know, there's tons of communities to ask people uh, questions and um, get get some info. Again, like we talked about, you don't know if it's relevant or not relevant. Um, right. I do, I do throw some stuff up on YouTube, but, uh, the level of negativity on YouTube is, is pretty interesting. There's, you mean uh, like people commenting or yeah. YouTube itself? Okay. No, people commenting. It's, it's amazing how, um, how hard some people are on just, you know, regular posters looking to post a video. Hmm. Okay. That's, um, yeah, that was that was a little shocking. I, I someone made me a YouTube page years ago. I didn't do anything with it, and I think last year I did a big dump off my phone because my phone had no memory left. Or maybe it was this year. And and you know, just it's amazing how much uh, how negative that is. And it's uh, not surprising why people wander away from social media. But yeah, There's no, I'm not just not high on my to do list. I don't have a lot of time to watch TV, let alone post on social media. Do you take an off season, Michael? I do. Yeah, this year is going to be a little unique. Um, this this match here that we're talking about is kind of late in the season, and uh, there's a WRC points match in January. But um, I think we've all kind of made a handshake agreement: no one's practicing, and we're just going to point and laugh at each other come January. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'm going to huck a moon clip right past my gun. How all right, I gotta ask you though, how when you know you have a match coming up like that and there's gonna be people there that you know might push you, how in the world do you not practice? How do you hold to that agreement? Um the uh well, first of all, I know who's gonna be there. 
And if it and if it was someone who, when I am tuned up, has a shot at beating me, uh, you know, like at nationals or something, mm-hmm. I'm gonna lie through my teeth and say I didn't practice. <laughs> 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 but um, but uh, when it's not, you know, there's there's a bit of a gap. I have a little bit of a cushion towards uh, the rest of the group. So um, you know, if it's just a regular the regular hangout crowd. Then, uh, then I'm I feel pretty safe. Okay, all yeah. right. I do take an off season. I so after that match in January, I don't have anything on my calendar until uh, the Seal Challenge, which is late this year, last week of May, I think. Um, and you that that will be a what's that? I'm sorry, I said you've got about four months in there. Then, yeah, yeah, that'll be that'll be you know these next two months will be an off season, even though it's cold and rainy here but those four months that'll be a, a proper off season i i probably will be um pretty quiet maybe i'll shoot some club matches take some friends from workout uh to shoot some matches uh but other than that i'm i won't be doing much much live fire probably catch one match a week and maybe one or two little things here and there build you know build new guns i break a lot of guns so i always need to build guns in the off season i'll be building a lot of customer guns so it's not like i'm not touching them right and then uh and then you know if i'm sitting down surfing youtube and there goes jerry just doing jerry things i go i'm gonna get up and go out there and dry fire and be angry at it for an hour (laughs) it's funny you say i'm gonna take a proper I'll take a proper off season and you know, I'll, I'll only shoot a match once a week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, how is that an off season? <laughs> <laughs> well, there won't, yeah, it'll, it'll be fun, right? It'll be guns. I never shoot or, or, okay. uh, you know, go to places. you know, I'm talking, I might go shoot a shotgun or I might go shoot a rifle or I might even okay. shoot one of those, one of those auto loader things. <laughs> you never know. Uh, give your revolver a break yeah give the poor thing a a little time off okay yeah no i take a break i got a lot going on we're the wife and i are always busy uh building building something around here or uh, working on a project so i take a i take a break and i look forward to doing something else nice well it's been uh it's been two hours again i just like the last time is that what it was last time? Yeah, it was. I think it was like two hours and 10 minutes. And this one is two hours and five minutes. We're getting there. We are. We're, we're right about there. Yeah. Was, was there anything we talked about earlier that uh, you wanted to touch back on that we haven't? Uh, nothing. Nothing comes to mind. Okay. I appreciate well, you my- having me on twice. <laughs> uh, look, I appreciate you coming back on for a second time. Yeah. So they're great conversation. So we're going to have to, uh, we're definitely going to, after South Africa, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm reaching way into the future here, but I'm definitely going to want to hear what your thoughts of the world shoot. I want to have you on before then, but I, I definitely want to have you back on after the world shoot. I want to get your take on those proceedings and the match. Yeah. Yeah. World shoot. It's quite the spectacle. Um, it is. It's funny. A few years back, World Shoot got really popular. You know, the the U.S. hosting it in '14, and then and then uh, that's really when social media kind of came out, right? And 
and uh, mm -hmm. at least infiltrate shooting. And then it, it really got crazy when we were in France. You know, everyone had uh, by then Instagram was a thing, and and videos on on Facebook and YouTube. It's really similar to what it is now, and it just exploded. Uh, and then COVID kind of punched a hole in that a little bit, even though we sent a really solid team last year. Um, but uh, there's so much excitement around that shoot, that match, um, the proceedings, how they do it, um, and and a whole bunch of people. I heard it a lot when we were in France. Why can't nationals be like this? And I was like, you you want to be at nationals for like a week? I don't I don't want to be there for a week. I'm nervous. Let's get it all done in one day. <laughs> but uh, well, you boy, don't shoot, shoot like you're nervous. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's I, I'm hiding it. I do. A, I wear pants, so you can't see me shake. Um, <laughs> you know, the whole in France, it was just amazing. The whole town pitched in. We had a we had a an opening ceremony in the town square, and uh, they had banners and signs. Eric's name was Eric's face was plastered on every bus stop in the that we saw in the country. Uh, it was like really really hero. cool. Yeah, it yeah. was really cool to just. It's so it's it, it was nice to see whether it's I don't know what the politics in France are like, if they're like here where it's a very polarizing topic. But uh, it was just great to see uh, people come together and be excited about an event. That was really fun. So I'm hoping South Africa is the same way. Yeah, me too. I, I'm, I'm yeah. hoping that there aren't any other issues within South Africa. So, yeah. Yeah, I hope. Yeah, well, it's a it's an area of uh, continued strife. So I, I hope it. it um, I hope it stays calm and we all get to go have fun. Yeah, I do too. I, yeah. I look forward to seeing everybody shoot. So, well, Michael, again, thank you for coming on. I greatly appreciate it. Anytime, you know how to get a hold of me. Until next time, don't be a little bitch. Yeah.